It is Monday, February 27, the Big Sports Breakfast on Sky Sports Radio. A very good morning to you. If you are just tuning in, we're at Club Menangle this morning. Beautiful morning. Hot air balloons, sun's up, and uh, there's some horses doing some work there out on the track. Of course, we're in the midst of the Sky Racing Carnival of Miracles, and on Saturday night here, it is the famed Miracle Mile, and the barrier draw was conducted here yesterday. Uh, Captain Ravishing, which had been the favourite, well, it drew second from the outside in nine and uh, the Hunter Cup winner, Honolulu Bay, which uh, won here as well in the qualifier Saturday night, drew four, which will come into three of the emergencies come out and is now the favourite. So Honolulu Bay at $2.80. It's pretty competitive, though, there at the top of betting. Uh, then you've got Catch a Wave at three eighty, Spirit of St. Louis at four fifty, and Captain Ravishing at $5. They're the favoured runners as it stands for the big one here on Saturday night. The Aussie women's cricket team celebrating another success. A sixth 2020 World Cup triumph, in fact, after a 19-run victory against South Africa in Cape Town. A packed house there at Cape Town. Great to see. And also great to see another trophy for Ange Postacoglu over at Celtic overnight. Uh, they've won the Scottish League Cup final at Hampden Park against Rangers 2-1. Manchester United won the League Cup final in England 2-0, beating Newcastle. So that's United's first trophy since 2017. But we're on the countdown for the first game of the season, the NRL season, Thursday night, Parramatta up against Melbourne. And get the game you want when you want this NRL season on KO. 12 Eels games exclusive to Fox League, available on KO. New to KO, start your free trial. Morning, Buzz. How are you? I'm really good, mate. What have we got? Three sleeps until uh, Compact Stadium, Eel Storm. Very excited. You're getting a bit of a reputation, Buzz. Just got to let you know. There's rumours going around. Well, still haven't paid your bet that you owe me. You're meant to take me for lunch. And then you're meant to turn up on Friday and you're a no-show. Yeah, some of us... Oh, I don't want an excuse, so just letting you... Oh, listen, don't shoot the messenger. I'm just yeah. giving you the goss that you're getting a bit of a reputation. That's all. Well, you, I do, you, do, I, you I, do what you want with that information. Clarky, unlike you... Yes. Let me guess, you had to work. work today? You, you've got a three-hour shift and you're not... Oh, no, Buzz, this is not work. This is not work for me. This is love. Yeah, well, I do this for love. <laughs> yeah, how did you find Menangle anyway? Did you need an old Gregory's map? No, I, used to, I, I, I grew up in Liverpool, Buzz. Just around the oh, corner, oh. Menangle. Parker, you live in Rose oh, Bay, please. No, no, that's incorrect as well. I live in Vaucluse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but no, good look, morning to you anyway, buddy. Yeah, good morning to you guys. I did, I did send uh, Will and Ben my sincere apologies. I had a lot of work to do for the weekend newspapers and could not find my time to get there. So um, I will hope to catch up with you guys maybe for a feed and a beer a bit later in the season. Um, one. What do you mean hope? You've got to yeah. shout us. <laughs> There's no hope in that, Buzz. We will find you. It's a bet. So I hear it was a fun uh, occasion. Yeah, no, it certainly was. It certainly was. Uh, what about this story in the paper today, Buzz, on the back page? You've rated everyone's uh, roster. And you've got the Roosters there are worth nearly $2 million over the cap in your eyes. And yes. you, you believe that you know, a lot of clubs have got a lot of work to do. Yeah, I do, Lance. And look, 
Uh, just to explain, uh, Brent Reid, my colleague at the Telegraph, um, and myself went through every roster, so there was a couple of opinions, not just mine. And, look, I don't think too many people will argue with the values we put on the Sydney Roosters, and it's about $1.8 million over the salary cap. And I want to start off by saying there is absolutely no suggestion that they are rotting the cap. It's more about them being such a powerful club and the fact players want to get the opportunity to play under a three-time premiership winning coach and Trent Robinson and their influential chairman Nick Politis and look you go through the roster there's a couple of million dollar players to start off with Tedesco and Joey Manu they've got Joseph Suwali in the back line worth 800k Luke Geary 700k and then you go through their pack Hargreaves, Smith, Crichton Radley, they're all $700,000 plus. So I don't think there can be too many arguments about their value on paper. You look at the Panthers, they're way over the cap too. Nathan Cleary, and I think you'd agree, Laurie, we've mm. rated him a $1.5 million player. Yep, um, yeah, I, agree I think with he's that. getting paid a little bit less than that. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I do. I, I think Cleary's, um, when you're t- talking of... And we had this discussion earlier, Buzz, mm. uh, Clarkie and I, because yeah. we noticed that... So, so Cleary, 1.5, yep, I, I, I get that, and I'd pay that too for, for a halfback. But we were discussing early this morning about you've rated Tedesco at 1.2, Luttrell at 1.4, how you thought that Luttrell, you'd pay him more... Mm than James Tedesco, given that we think Tedesco is the best player in the game. But then we started talking about marketability because Latrell's probably worth more off the field than what James Tedesco would be. Yeah, look, we tried to weigh everything up and I, you look at them as a... And I've said in a story I've written about Latrell later in the week, I don't think there's a player in the game who clicks turnstiles like he does or attracts more eyeballs to... Um, the TV coverage on Nine, Fox Sports and Kaya. He is probably the biggest personality player in the game, bar none. Um, And so we've whacked on a little bit extra because of that. uh, But look, look, it's a very good question, you know, that that you asked. Um, South again with Luttrell on the big brass. They've also, they're, they're what, about 700k over the salary cap. They've got Cody Walker, we've rated 820,000. And then you've got their skipper, um, Cameron Murray, we've rated him 1.1 million. Some might suggest that's a little bit high, but look, geez, he's a great player. Mm. And um, yeah, so look, there's always going to be arguments on the ratings, but uh, that, that's what we finished up with. And um, I, I think. That, the concerning thing is it, it does show that there's quite a gap between the top and the bottom sides. And um, But the Cowboys last year, um, w- w- we rated them back with the bottom sides. And a couple of their players, like Jeremiah Nanai and Ruben Cotter, were rated under $300,000 because they weren't all that well known or they hadn't really made their mark this time last year. They came from nowhere at the beginning of the year to play for the Kangaroos at the World Cup. So I'm hoping we're proven wrong again this year and that um, some of these teams, like the Dolphins, you, you look at their roster and I don't know what you think, guys, 
we've raised them at only 8.7 million. Mm. And I don't think too many people can argue with that, Laurie, Clarky. Uh, no, I, I think you. I yeah. think you got that one spot on, Buzz. Because yeah. I, I think they've got some good, experienced players, but yeah. they just haven't got the depth of some of those other teams. Yeah. Um, but well, they haven't got the high-profile no. players, let alone player. They no. haven't got. They're probably at least two high-profile players short, aren't they? Yeah. At the moment. Yeah. Yeah. To yeah, make well, an instant yeah. impact. Yeah. The, the the really encouraging sign there is that they've picked up Thomas Fleegler and they've yeah. picked up um, Herbie Farnsworth in the last uh, forty-eight hours. And that's going to be a significant upgrade for their squad. Mm. I still think they're missing the superstar marquee player in the halves. I think Anthony Milford, what have we rated him at? I'm just looking at it now, 325,000. Yeah, and he struggled in the trials. And I think Wayne Bennett even hooked him in that last game. So I think... I think they're going to be competitive early on. They'll, they'll have a dead set whack, but I think as injuries settle in, and um, yeah, I, I, I think they're going to struggle. And I, I can understand why most people um, are suggesting that they're, they're a long odds on favourite to win the wooden spoon. Mm. Um, Buzz, what about? Oh, sorry. Go for yeah, it, go on, Clark. No, I was just going to ask: Are we? Uh, how likely are we to see Tommy T back for round one? Great news for Rugby League, Clarkey, and great news for the Manly Seagulls. Tom Turbo trained strong. They had an um, in-house game against one of their lower-grade squads during the week, and he, he did the full session. And Anthony oh, really? Seabold has declared that when they announce the team on Tuesday, Tom Turbo will be out the back. It's a massive game. It'll sell out. They play the Bulldogs, and... Um, It'll be really interesting to see Tom Turbo because one of his things, something he picked up while he was in America was um, his running style. And is there a, a different way he can train? Is there a different way he can run that's going to protect his hamstrings a bit better? So there will be more eyeballs on him this weekend than any other player in the comp. And I think even if you don't follow Manly... I think most people have got their fingers crossed, hoping that um, he does uh, get through. And really exciting team to watch, Manly, this year. Trial form means nothing, but they're a happy club again. The Pride jersey um, fiasco seems to be not a distant memory, but in the background now. And uh, there's some pretty exciting players. And Anthony Seabold's come back, Shane Flanagan helping him out and... That's going to be a great game because we all want to see what Cameron Serraldo is going to do with that Bulldog squad that's so much stronger than it has been in previous years. You know, they've had Josh Adokar and Matt Burton for a long time, but adding Reid Marnie, geez, there's only trials, but he's one of those guys who could turn out to be the buyer of the year. Billy Kickow on an edge, worth 1.1 million now ratings today. Um, it's going to be a great game of football, that one. Uh, now, Buzz, now, Spencer Lenyu, there's a bit of a battle on between, well, two of the big heavy hitters in Phil Gould and Nick Politis and what way he'll go uh, should he be leaving the Panthers. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because um, Nick Politis, as we all know, and has got the uh, biggest checkbook in rugby league and um, 
and Gus Gould is one of the most influential men in rugby league. And you look at the Penrith front rowers they've got, have taken to a couple of premiership, Moses Leota and James Fisher-Harris, who I rate the number one prop in rugby league. Um, and Spencer Lane has been coming off the bench. He's a very, very good player. The Roosters are losing Jared Wera Hargreaves at the end of the year. He's likely to go and play in the English Super League. And the Roosters see him as the ideal replacement. But Phil Gould has one ace up his sleeve, and that is Cameron Serralda, who has been picking up Stephen Crichton from the Penrith Panthers, Billy Kickow from the Penrith Panthers, Matt Burton from the Panthers. So it's a really interesting battle between two heavyweights. I think it's even money at this stage. They're both desperate to get his services. What it says at Canterbury, if they're going to be paying that much money for Spencer Lehner, that Luke Thompson could be in his last year at the club, the, the former St Helens forward. So, um, it's interesting, Canterbury. I still think that what they need more than anything else is to look at their half situation. Um, Kyle Flanagan's only been rated at $275,000, and I think Gus has made no secret of the fact that... Um, Kyle is not their long-term option. So to be spending all this money on uh, players outside of halfback is an interesting one, and uh, we'll watch that pan out. Hey, Buzz, I thought Mitchell Moses uh, had recommitted to the Eels, but there's been no announcement on his signing. When, when do we expect that to be confirmed? Yeah, this one's dragged on and on and on. It's been an enormous frustration for Parramatta Eels fans because Parramatta bumped their offer up to $1.2 million. Still a little bit short of what the West Tigers have offered. The West Tigers have not been informed that Mitchell Moses has rejected their offer and the Parramatta Reels have not been informed that he is staying there. Now, I don't blame the player here because it's a big contract. It could be one of the final deals he signs in his career, but I don't know why he's required this much time. The offers are there on the table. Um... I'm a little bit disappointed he hasn't made his decision, just for Parramatta fans. When these things drag on and drag on, the person who suffers is not the manager, it's not the club, it's the player and his reputation. And people immediately think, geez, is he being greedy? He's been offered $1.2 million to stay at a really, really powerful... I don't think it does him any good. Mm. And I think he's long overdue to you know, to make the call. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I, I just assumed that he was staying. I, I read something well, last look, week. That, look, that was Michael Tavis in the Sydney Morning Herald um, wrote last week that he's on the verge of accepting the Parramatta offer. Right, right. But uh, uh, I spoke to uh, Jim Sarantinos, the Parramatta CEO, after um, Michael wrote that story, and he said nothing official. There haven't been an indication that's going to happen in the next 48 hours whatsoever. It's interesting, too, he's not the only player in the NRL who's keeping his club waiting. How long have, on this show have we been talking about Joseph Sawali and his future? Mm. Now, he has an option for 2024, which he is yet to take up. And obviously, there is enormous interest in Joseph, not necessarily from NRL clubs mm. who don't think they can prize him out of the roosters, but the Australian Rugby Union. And I spoke yesterday 
to Hamish McLaughlin, who's the chair of the Australian Rugby Union, and um, just about his views and how far down the track. And I think one of the hold-ups is there is enormous interest from the Wallabies, and they've got a World Cup this year, so Joseph obviously uh, wouldn't be in a position to play for them, but I think they're offering a lot more money than what the Roosters can, and I think our valuations of the Roosters showed why they can't match rugby because they'd go straight over the cap if they did anything more than 800k. Before you so, go, Buzz... Uh, yeah, good on you f- guys. Enjoy my angle and we'll chat soon. Last night our Aussie cricketers, the women, they've won another 2020 World Cup. Outstanding performance. 19-run victory against South Africa. Beth Mooney, player of the match. 74 not out of 53 deliveries. And Ash Gardner was a judged player of the tournament. Uh, we are at Club Menangle and the Miracle Mile this Sunday night. We had the draw yesterday. And, uh, well, one of the great performers on Saturday night, which ensured it uh, got invited into the field, was Brave View Kelly, which won the Group 1 Queen Elizabeth uh, the second mile on Saturday night. And uh, joining us now is Menangle-based trainer and driver, 28 years of age. He's had, what, tw- 10 Group 1 driving wins and four Group 1 training wins. Jack Trainer joining us. Jack, good morning to you. Yeah, good morning, boys. Thanks for having me on. No, great to have you on the show. So, uh, firstly, uh, how's she pulled up coming through uh, Brave You, Kelly, coming through the race on Saturday night? Uh, yeah, she's pulled up as good as she could. She um, Obviously, anyone that's seen the race, she had a pretty hard run, and it was obviously an impressive run, too. That's why she was able to gain a spot on this Miracle Mile, but... She's ate everything up, and uh, she's got a lot more life in her today, so hopefully it's onwards and upwards from here. Okay, from the gate, so six, he'll come into five, of course, the emergency's come out. How does it ideally play out for you? Yeah, it's, it's not a bad draw. Um, <clears throat> when the owner drew the ticket up, it, she was holding it upside down, and it looked like a nine, so it was a relief to get six, <laughs> and we're, uh, we're very realistic here. We understand that it's probably her biggest step up in grade, and she's going to need the race run upside down, but um, I know she deserves her spot, and if a couple of those favoured runners did seem to go to war, then I'm sure she'll chime in late. Uh, Jack, when do you personally start looking at uh, weather conditions and things like that, and does that make too much of a difference for you? Oh, not really. Obviously, we can't do a lot about that, and, and we're very lucky here at Menangle. Um, it's such a great track, and it holds up well in the rain, and um, obviously we pray for a, a hot day and a, a nice human night, and it will... Um, It'll make make a good race for it, and hopefully they'll run a bit of time. But uh, this year I'll be sitting in the stand, so rain, hail, or shine, it, it won't worry me one bit. <laughs> <laughs> and when you look across this field, and, and you know the changes to the market as well, considering what occurred with the draw yesterday, do, do you believe the market's right that Honolulu Bay is the horse to beat? I mean, Captain Ravishing, uh, a lot of people think's probably the best horse in Australasia at the moment. Uh, what do you think about the competition on Saturday night? Yeah, I think Honolulu Bay deserves to be favourite. I, I think um, I haven't seen a run as big as his at Menangle for quite some time. And, um, yeah, for me, I still have that little question mark on Captain Ravishing. He's in a great camp, and I know that he'll be at 100% on race day. But, uh, yeah, I just reckon he, he might have got found out a little bit in that chariot to fire. So I think that that draw really does hurt him. And if he is to live up to the big boom that, you know, the media have put on him, then he's going to have to earn it from out in that car park draw. Jack, with such a big race like the Miracle Mile, do you, you know, instructions or if you're driving or whatever you're doing, like to, to 
to go through the history of the race and sort of study that and see where winners have come from in the past, or do you just sort of drive your own race on the night? Yeah, I think you just sort of got to drive it as it comes. I know there's a little bit of a, a voodoo going around in this race that nothing's won it from barrier six outwards, I believe. And um, actually, the owner just done a little bit of research yesterday, tried to work out when the last mayor won the race, and I'm not sure if even in the history books or on the internet still had it, so that's not good for us, but... Um, you just never know, and obviously we don't look too much into that. We just yeah. try and have our mead as good as we can on the night and, and just hope uh, hope we get the right luck. Any others we should keep an eye out for heading towards Saturday night, Jack? Uh, yeah, I think um, I cast no shadow. He'll be in the Bohemian yep. Crystal. The undercard, he was brilliant on uh, Saturday night. I sort of stuffed the drive up a little bit there and probably cost him a spot too. So I think he'll be one of the dominant ones in that free-for-all. And, yeah, I reckon... Uh, you'll see the best of him this week. Okay. And uh, what would it mean to win it with Brave You, Kelly? You, you know, you've got to give yourself a moment to picture what it might be like if you did cause a bit of an upset. Yeah, it would be surreal, obviously. Um, you've got to be in it to win it, so we're, we've, we've taken the first step. But, yeah, I'm just really proud to have another runner in it and, um, you know, proud of the horse as well. And hopefully we get a bit of luck, our way, luck go our way. Well, Jack, really appreciate your time. Good luck, enjoy, and... Uh, well, it should be a cracking atmosphere here on Saturday night. Yeah, I really hope so. Thanks, guys. Great stuff. Jack Trainer. So, Brave You Kelly uh, to jump from six, but will uh, we'll be five should the emergencies come out. And Brave You Kelly is a $34 chance. The lone mare in the race, the Miracle Mile, coming off that win on Saturday night to get into the field. So, $34 with Tab Brave You Kelly, trained by Jack Trainer. Time to talk some rugby now. And, uh, well, Friday night, it was a cracking game there at Allianz Stadium. And a great performance from the Brumbies in the end. The Waratahs were brave, but the Brumbies just too professional, really. 31-25 over the Waratahs. And joining us now is their lock, Nick Frost. Nick, good morning to you. Hello, uh, Nick, have we got you? Yep. No, good morning, Nick. How are you? Oh, good, thanks. Uh, thanks for introducing me. No, good to have you on the show. And 31-25, I mean, the Waratahs, obviously great rivals on the satisfaction scale. How, well, how high was the satisfaction after that? Because there was so much focus, I guess, on your opposition all week. Yeah, um, obviously, regardless, starting the season off with a win is good and even better um, over the Waratahs in Sydney. Um, it's always good to start uh, win off and to keep winning against the Tars. Win, win the Dan Vickerman Cup back is always a good start. How different has, I guess, the regime change been for you under Stephen Larkham as opposed to Dan McKellar? The regime, uh, it's pretty, it's, it's a little bit, there's little tweaks here and there, um, changes, but a lot of it is um, still continuing on um, from, from the same stuff we've done over the past uh, few years, even dating back 10 years ago at the Brums. It's a, still a similar Br- Brumbies structure, um, things like that, but uh, Bernie comes in, has his own little tweaks and th- does things which evidently we hope to see out on the field. Obviously, very excited about the season starting and you know, you've got the depth in the team that can challenge for the Super Rugby title this year and you always look at teams' benches, I do anyway, uh, to see the strength of the squad and you know, to see the guys like Nick White, Noah Lessio, Darcy Swain, James Slipper coming off the interchange bench, it just shows you the Brumbies have got plenty of depth this year. 
Yeah, we have a um, pretty great squad, to be honest. Uh, we have a lot of depth, as you touched on, and those guys came off the bench. Um, obviously, it's a long season ahead of Super Rugby and then international stuff, so there's going to be um, a few restrings. And obviously, you got to rotate some players as well to get, give some guys a, a crack and a shot. And we've even got players who weren't even picked who are um, jumping out of their skin to get a good game and a few boys in the rehab crew that are itching to get themselves back out there. So it's a whole squad um it's a whole squad effort um, each week, and especially during the year. Now, so much focus, I guess, on the performance of Max Jorgensen, the young Waratahs winger, but to your own speeds to Corey Toole. Describe the impact he's had, and he was superb there on Friday night. Yeah, we've, uh, yeah, he's been unreal. We've known about Corey for a while. Uh, he's a Canberra boy, a, w- a Wagga local, so he's been in Canberra for a bit. Um, he did a few years ago when I first came down, a bit of academy stuff, joined in. With the top squad and um, was in and out for trainings and then obviously went off to sevens and had an unreal um, 18 months, unreal year, killed it. And now we've got him back over and as he said, he's out there. You, you can't coach speed, you can't coach stuff that he's done out there. Um, he really enjoyed himself. Um, he proud of that effort and look, he'll be a very good player for the future. Nick, you got the Blues now on Sunday. How do you, uh, how do you prepare for them? What changes, what improvements need to be made? Oh, obviously it's round one, so there's obviously a lot of things to improve. Um, just yeah. a, uh, a, few, a few areas here and there, a bit of sloppiness from that. From all, all the teams, obviously the Blues had a red hot crack; they had a great yeah. game. Um, we just got to go back to our, our basics. Um, obviously, you focus on them, but a lot of it is getting your stuff right. You bring what you need to bring to the table, um, and it should be a great game out there um, down at Super Round in Melbourne got to be a bit of an edge to the game as well considering it was the Blues who knocked you off by a point to end your season last year when really it looks like a huge opportunity that slipped for you. Yeah, both games last year we lost by a point to the Blues so obviously um, we know we can test them, we know we can front up. Just a few key moments there um, last year that were slipped away from us and that's, that's been a focus uh, from Bernie, from Stephen Larkin during the season, just winning those key moments. Um, that's kind of his area he's focused on so yeah, as I said, looking forward to that. We've just got to limit our errors. Um, they scored a few points off their counter-attack on the weekend against the Highlanders and they blew them apart. And then they were just chasing the game the whole time. So we've just got to focus on our stuff, get it right, and then really front up on D. And Nick, personally, I mean, you had the most carries of any player uh, there on Friday night. You made your Wallabies debut last year. It is a World Cup year, of course. What do you feel you need to do to, I guess, ensure you're on that plane over to France later this year? Oh, um, I, everything's for the Brumbies at the moment, so you got to play well for your team. you got to make sure you can, um, you're playing most weeks, and when you're playing, you're putting your best foot forward. Um, to do that, you got to you got to enjoy your footy. you got to go out and have fun, so I try and just relax and get out there and always end up having a few carries, a few too many. It was a bit tired at the end of the game, but, um, yeah, just go out there, have fun, um, try to get your hands on the ball and just try and soak in um, the moment and week to week, and then We'll see further down the track, there's, there's stuff like that. Um, but as I said, for this stage of the year, it's all about Brumbies. Well, again, congratulations on the victory on Friday night and uh, go well there in Melbourne against uh, the Blues this week, mate. Thanks for your time. No, thank you, guys. Thank you very much. Nick Frost there from the Brumbies, an emerging talent in Australian rugby, freak athlete. So he, was, he could have played rep... Well, professional basketball, the Swans I think at one stage inquired into him he didn't play AFL but uh, such a, a unique athlete that uh, he you know, garnered interest from all sorts of codes, he was a freak 
discus thrower as well. I think he still yeah, holds discus. the state record. So. Sounds like Loz. Sounds like you're in the heyday as a youngster. Yes. Yeah, seriously, shot put. Oh, sorry, oh, you got oh, it wrong. Shot, shot put. put. Yeah, I was shot putter. Oh, big boy. <laughs> <laughs> Strong, weren't you? Strong boy. Stand back, boys. Strong kid. <laughs> Stand back. Daily's about to unload. <laughs> <laughs> big boy, big boy, big boy. Foul. Oh, give, me the, give me the heavy ball. <laughs> <laughs> That's why his right shoulder's cooked now. Yeah. <laughs> I've been lopsided. <laughs> yeah. Right side dominant. <laughs> Can't carry his back back on the right side. He's cooked. A lot of lower back pain. <laughs> <laughs> Love the shot put, the big boy. Just a couple of heroes and villains text. Morning, lads. Hero goes without saying the women's T20 World Cup victory. Well done, girls. Villain, Chelsea FC. Time for Potter to head back to Hogwarts. What Tuchel did wrong, I'll never know. One win in the past 11 games in all comps is simply not good enough. Cheers, Toddy from Leeton. P.S. is Blocker back on Thursday. Blocker will be Friday. Friday, and Yvonne Sampson will join us Thursdays. Blocker Friday. Uh, is uh, the case this year. And uh, also here, morning guys, heroes, the Aussie girls cricket, no dramas, no infighting, no agendas, disrupting the team, just amazing role models for young kids. Whoa, not so sure. Not uh, so sure about that. I'm not sure. that I don't think there's any team, rainbows and butterflies, yeah, Mitter. Just reckon if you're winning, you probably get away with a little bit more. Mm. Villains men's cricket for being the absolute opposite to the women's team, says Sandra, saying that. But uh, I'll tell you what, I love before Adam Pengilly... Uh, what about an hour ago? Uh, so we did a. If you're just tuning in, we did a multi at the lunch on Friday, and uh, it was Pangili had a leg mirror vision to run top two. That was a, a big duck egg. Uh, then we had well, Mossy did an A leg tip Newcastle United to beat Western United. They lost, and uh, Ali had Profondo top two or three. And apparently it's run last. Uh, Ali, I'm sorry to introduce you on such a note. <laughs> Show the experts. Good, I was, I was Good morning. Thinking, what, a way, what a way to come in on a Monday nah, morning. Al, don't listen to him, mate. Well, You've been on fire, yeah. and now he gets one chance to pay you out. No, well, Pengilly just he put his hand up and said, look, that was the worst multi in, in, in history. It probably was, too, but it always happens that way, doesn't it? Especially when you've got the, the lunch on the Friday. You want to have a good week, and you inevitably have a bad week. But Profondo, there was no excuse. I even read the stewards report, and he, I know he's going to have a, a full vet veterinary examination. But I like that was shocking. <laughs> what wasn't it shocking was... though was Enemo Alley. That was oh, the opposite yeah. of shocking. Which is good. So I think he um, he sort of gave us something to talk about for the day, which was great. He just and he's so versatile. He got, I think he got checked on the way out. He probably sat further back than what James would normally have liked him to sit. And just put him to sleep. So he gets checked. Normally they're over race, but he just is able to get him in a spot, switch him off, and then when he asked him for an effort, he just responded beautifully. He is such a beautiful animal. Just everything he does, you can tell he's a real professional as well. So um, I just think we're we're lucky to have another, you know, potential potential star that we can. I guess potential star. I hate throwing that term around because everyone gets so cross. But um, it's just great that we've got him. We can follow. What did you make of Sunshine in Paris on the weekend in the uh, surround? Oh, super! It was it was hard hard not to not to think that she was super. I thought she was um she she put her hand up and I did, I didn't think that she would 
that she would do that in in all honesty but and Annabelle Neesham she's just absolutely going so well I'm so proud of her and she was I think lost for words after it as well I, I, I saw her interviewed by Anne Friedman afterwards and she she, could, she almost couldn't speak which, which says a lot because she's had this meteoric, meteoric rise in the last couple of years and for her to still think that that's so breathtaking um, I, I just think is, is wonderful and, and she I, I think she wasn't even that that shocked. She said, I, I was surprised she didn't win the light fingers. I think she's got the ability to be the best three-year-old filly going around. So, again, just all credit to Nish. She's phenomenal. And down south, the, the Hayes boys, I'm sure you're very happy for them, winning with oh, little bros so, so. in the Blue Diamond. Yeah, at least I hope someone backed little bros each way. I, I, I got on him each way because I was just I, I actually was in Melbourne this week and caught up with, with some of the guys and I said, what do you reckon? And they said, well, we can't see why he can't win. So I'm just so pleased for them. They they went through a really um, sort of, I guess, rough patch when David left and a, a lot of people ended up pulling horses off them. And I guess they've really had to prove themselves in their own right, which is exactly what they're doing now. So I'm so, so stoked for the, for the team and everyone around them too. What about in the futurity stakes, Alligator Blood? A lot of people were sort of wondering what he was going to do about 18 months ago and all of a sudden he's hit back and he hits back strong. He's just the... Cu- that horse just has the best constitution of any racehorse going around at the moment. To come back from what has happened to him with kissing spine, the surgery that he's had, he's, I know he still, you know, sometimes gets a little bit sore as well. And, and for just a horse to be so tough and to, to keep going through, you know, some horses have that residual, when they've felt pain, they often feel like it'll happen again. It's sort of like a muscle memory thing. They feel like it'll happen again. And so that's often why they don't come back. But whether he has that or not, he just runs through everything. And he is such a tough animal. And again, another one who we can go and watch at the races and everyone can get around and, and, and have that fan factor. And you so need that in racing to keep people coming back and keep people wanting to go to the races and go to the stalls and see him. And, and he's, he's just one of them. He's got it in spades. Ali, which horses are we following out of the weekend? Okay, so I'm going to follow Zugotcha. I thought she was very brave in defeat in this round. Stakes, she got quite keen across the top. She just didn't shirk her task, though, and her run home was only out-finished late. I think uh, she'll be super next time in a race like the Coolmore Classic, perhaps. Um, and then, although I'm placed uh, in the surround stakes, I thought she's a belter, went super as well. She got back to last, and she was also quite keen. I think she might have got checked a couple of times, and she rattled home running the last second-best 600 and last 200 metres of the race. So I'll put her in there as well, and then I'll just add Sabark to who went a lovely race first up over a distance short of his best, but he closed off strongly. So we'll follow those three. Love it, Ali. Thanks so much. You have a good week. Thanks, Chat Friday. Bye.